Welcome to the official podcast of the Love Times Two Project. Change the culture and the politics will follow. Hey, welcome back to the Love Times Two Podcast. I'm so glad that you are tuning in today because we are in the middle of this series of introducing new speakers to the Love Times Two Speakers Bureau. In fact, the Speakers Bureau itself is new, and we're really excited about this because we want this to be a resource for all types of different ministries, for churches, for right to life groups, pregnancy resource centers, women's ministries, conferences, all kinds of of opportunities that could be here. So we're excited about this. And what we're going to be providing through the Speakers Bureau is a very easy and very different way to connect directly with speakers and see what works for your particular organization. So today we have uh, one of the featured speakers on the Love Times 2 Speakers Bureau, Linda Sinai. Linda, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Mike. It's really an honor to be here with you. Well, we're so glad that you are uh, one of our initial speakers uh, on the Speakers Bureau because we really want to provide speakers that bring a lot of different perspectives, but are really professional, really moving in their presentations. I can just say, I'll say right at the top of the podcast here, I've been doing what what I do now, working in the pro-life world for uh, over 30 years right now. Honestly, I've seen so many speakers through the years that uh, it's kind of amazing. Sometimes I've seen speakers, uh, I know in one instance, I saw a speaker like five times in one year. And about the third time that I'm watching the speaker, I realized that it was like, um, it was like automatic. I mean, they had everything almost completely memorized. They didn't deviate from anything on that. Yeah. They get it. I mean, a lot of speakers will do that. But what I always look for, what I always appreciate is when I see speakers that I know are typically, you know, everybody has their story and they're going to tell that. I, I watch for speakers that are speaking from the heart because that makes all the difference in the world in resonating with an audience, with resonating with me. And I have to say, I, I had never seen you speak before until just a couple of months before this podcast. And I was just blown away. Uh, Just the emotional stories that you told and just the heartfelt way that you presented that. So I'm really excited about what you bring to this space because you are very unique in the ministry that you work in right now. And I've seen a lot of speakers from the political world and the news world and all this kind of stuff, but you bring this completely unique perspective in pro-life space. So let's start out by just talking about your ministry. He knows your name. Tell us about what, what is He Knows Your Name and how did that all come about? Mm-hmm. Well, it's really, um, this ministry found me and I wasn't looking for anything to do. But back in 2009, when there was a baby found in a dumpster and the breaking news story said, baby doe found in the dumpster wearing only a diaper, my heart just jumped and I, I just immediately felt emotional. I felt an injustice about this child. I had just buried my mother six months before who was given a beautiful funeral and um, of course had a beautiful dress on and we honored her in every way in a celebration of life. And I just thought, my goodness, my mom's a child of God. This child is a child of God and deserves everything my mother had. And so I called the coroner's office and really put it to them. I mean, I was bold. I said, I want my name on this case and I want to take care of this baby when the criminal investigation ends. And I hounded them every Friday morning for a, for 13 months and kept reminding them like, hi, I'm here. This is what I want to do. Um, what's going on with the case? 
And when the end of that finally came to be, and they called me one morning and said, we found the mom. And of course, the news had demonized this mother for 13 months. Everyone thought she was the one who put the baby in the dumpster. And what they found at the end of the investigation was that a funeral home director dumped the baby there. Hmm. And of course, that was a whole other level of shock. And I went and met the mom and I just said to her, you know, I, I've been planning to do a funeral for your son. And she named him Nicholas. And she said, no, I can't afford it. Um, you know, and who are you anyway? Are you the police? She was so skeptical. And I just said, no, I, this is something that's been on my heart for 13 months. And I have this funeral planned. Will you just be my guest and let me give this to you and your family? And so I had that funeral. And by the time I had that funeral, it ended up actually being the second funeral that I had. That what happened in the meantime was that there was a baby abandoned at the coroner's office. Hmm. Um, you know, that was shocking to me because I really thought that Nicholas was going to be kind of an episodic ministry opportunity. And I'll take care of this one baby. This is so crazy and random. Um, you know, how could this ever happen again? And so when this other baby was um, found dead at a grandmother's house, they determined it was SIDS and there was no criminal investigation. And because I was calling all the time, you know, they they came to me and said, well, would you take care of this baby too? I mean, your organization is going to take care of the other baby. So it just kind of makes sense that you would do both babies. And I was like, well, yeah, that makes sense, but I'm not an organization and I don't even know what I'm doing. And so I had a long talk with the Lord about that. And that's when he told me just in my spirit, you know, about this journey we were going to be on and there was going to be no plan in place, um, it was how it was going to look, what, what, how it was going to go, but that the name of this ministry would be He Knows Your Name. And now in almost 15 years, I've claimed and celebrated the life at the grave of 43 babies. And wow. those babies have all been um, unclaimed or abandoned, either left outside, been left at the coroner's office where families literally just do not come back and claim them in death, or a hospital or a funeral home. I have just been learning like crazy about this really big epidemic of unclaiming. And I, I feel sometimes like people look at me and say, you know, what do you mean epidemic? That's dramatic. I'm like, well, if you looked at the numbers, you'd be shocked. That's what I continue to be is shocked. What happens in those situations when a baby's body is found and no one claims that baby? What happens? Well, there's a legal protocol already in place. Thankfully, I didn't have to do anything. There's just there was a law in place and actually the funeral homes funeral um, coroner's offices and hospitals all follow pretty much the same thing. And that is that they do try to find the family. And you think about it, like a funeral home, that that baby's been sent there by a hospital because a family like wanted that funeral. They chose that funeral home. So there's records of families all over the place. Um, a hospital, a baby's been delivered and dies. Mom goes home. They give her resources. They counsel her and they say, you need to come back with a funeral home name and number so that we can take the move the baby on because by law that's the requirement and moms just don't come back the legal protocol is about eight steps long it's not real detailed or complicated but they all just go try to find the family and they do it through certified mail knocking on their doors calling them um, offering them resources and it's just no 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 the thing that actually breaks my heart mike is that when we think about abortion, a woman going into a clinic 
And maybe she's there alone. Maybe she's there with a friend, boyfriend or mom. This situation is like the rejection of the child is so deep because the mother walks away and the father, if he's there, and then there's, there's legal information from property tax information, like, and medical records. They have a phone number. They have grandma's name, aunt so-and-so, all the family. They know where they live. They, they bother everyone to try and get someone to say, yes, we'll take care of this baby in death. And everyone says no. And I'm like, they all know about it. The baby's maybe even been in their homes before. Think about it. Like generations and families say no and reject. And it, it's just staggering to me. So I claim them and do all the paperwork. There's a lot of legal paperwork to do and claim them by signing the paperwork from wherever they are. If it's a hospital, the coroner's office or the funeral home, I sign the paperwork becoming guardian or advocate for the child. Then I sign that legal paperwork for transport. Transport paperwork is legal. And then I sign the paperwork at the cemetery for that child, which is all, think about it, like a funeral home is licensed by the state. And, you know, the gov- the coroner's office is governed by elected official. Um, I go to the cemetery and then I sign all that paperwork for a plot of land that I sign. And when that baby is put in a plot of land legally, no one, no one can come back and say, that's my child. They have to go through me or a legal process, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because one woman was looking for some a child and she found his birth certificate and death certificate online. And there was my name and they contacted me. And, you know, I've had just the, like the, the play, how does this play out in real time um, has been really sobering for me as I walk out this ministry and then realize how many people I minister to, not only the babies that have passed, but families and communities and the people that come alongside in caring for the baby in death. So how many years have you been involved with this? Walking back to that very first time that God placed something on your heart, I know that uh, I think you said 43 uh, children mm-hmm. that you've been involved with at this point. How many Over the course of how many years uh, has that been? Uh, baby Nicholas, was we've, that news story was um, in October of 2009. So I'm, I'm like starting my 15th year. Throughout the course of all of this time. Uh, and, and and I can just say, I, you know, some listeners may be thinking, wow, this is so heavy a topic. And it is. There's no getting around it. It's, it's because of this abandonment and thinking about these these little kids that just left and nobody claiming them. As I look at this and as I've heard you speak, uh, there's an uplifting side to this that out of this tragic circumstances, there's so much beauty in the fact that these kids who were abandoned by everyone on the face of the earth. Right. Uh, suddenly find someone who cares from them. So when you go through that uh, situation, and I'm sure it's got to be just uh, heartrending every single time, but what are the things that God has been showing you since that very first child that you became involved with? Uh, What are the things that God has been showing you in your life? Well, it's it's a really big question, actually, because um, as I've studied the Bible for 35 years in my life, and then this all has happened and unfolded, and I've walked this journey with God. My faith has become really big. God has become really, really big. And what he's orchestrating, I could not manufacture on my best day. And honestly, as an introvert who hated public speaking, 
I mean, I just wouldn't even do it in high school. I just can't believe I'm where I am as an author of a book and sitting on this platform that God has given me to shine light and give love to these babies and their families sometimes. And I see the gospel everywhere. I see the opportunity as I live out my faith to share my faith um, in a way that's just all action-based. I'm seeing how that matters to not only my generation, but all the younger generations. They're tired of people talking about things and faith and religion and all this stuff. And they just kind of watch me. And really up until the last few years, I've never said I'm pro-life. I've never said I'm a Christian. I just don't use those words because, you know, if you, you, you could ask 10 different people, what does Christianity mean to you? And you'd get 10 different answers. Mm -hmm. And I just don't want the obstacle. I've realized too, a lot about our community, a lot about the laws, a lot about changing laws. And then also what is it that God is doing with these babies and giving them a legacy that takes them from being lost to being found, to shining the light where there's been darkness, bringing justice where there's been injustice. And he's letting me through story by sharing testimony and serving them that I can create a church without walls at the grave. And I can invite strangers to come because I'm a stranger. I maybe I didn't know this baby or their, of course, their family in life. But there we stand in death. And I just say, legacy is birthed at the grave. I've seen it over and over again. And so it has confronted my own mortality. It has confronted my own um, thoughts of legacy on my own life and purpose. And how am I going to live in with intention? And how am I going to give? And I've, I've always thought kind of as an, I mean, as an affluent woman, I've always thought, you know, giving financially is the biggest gift that my husband and I can leave behind and give. And I would say that has been completely flipped upside down. I now feel that time is the greatest resource we have. I am the greatest resource I have. Because when I give me, I go sit in a cemetery office with a mom who's got little ones around her because her child just died in a bus accident. As my ministry has grown, the knowledge of what I am and doing has grown. And people get in these situations that seem impossible and they're tragic loss situations. Like the media, people, I don't know, they just call me and say, could you please help this mom? And then I just, I just go. And I stand with her, I sit with her, I cry with her. And I'm like, what do you need? And if I can't give it, I know someone who can. My social capital is very wide and very deep because I've lived here for almost 40 years. I always feel like I, I can connect someone with someone, support the person in need in a way that if I wasn't sitting that close, if I wasn't showing up, building up, being there, I would not have had the opportunity that close and intimate to change the lives of people and bring the gospel to the grave. I just have seen the scriptures come alive, Mike, like things that I've studied for years and I've known in my head and I know a lot of it in my heart, but like to see it actually in action, standing at the grave with people who would never step into church, but they feel safe coming there. And I share the gospel. I, I confront everyone's mortality standing there. Like, how can you not? We smell the fresh turned dirt. And I just say those things. And I realize like the Bible and scriptures being taken out of so many places, even the church in some places. 
but not at the grave. And I really feel like this is my Esther moment. Like for mm. such a time as this, I get to open my Bible and pray. And I invite everyone to say the Lord's Prayer with me. And you know what? They do it. I have never had, I have. I could have every station from, you know, the state of Indiana, media-wise, there with a microphone. No one's ever told me to shut up. <laughs> They've mm. never said you're, you're using too much scripture, you know, like, no, the news story is me voiced over on the scene at a cemetery saying in Jesus name, you know, and I'm reading the scripture. Um, you know, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come for you. Jesus's words of rescue. I just, I, I mean, I shudder at the responsibility that I have to realize that for right now, this is the message of my life and mm. I'm going to say it wherever I can say it. And when I felt the calling to write my book, I was like, I mean, I am not a writer, but I love to give testimony. And the Lord was like, then just do that. Revelation 19.10 says, worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I was like, okay, I can worship you, God. I love doing that. And I love giving testimony. And then the results are up to you. I don't know what people are going to say or do after that. But when I share the testimony of the lives, the stories, the the many, many branches of He Knows Your Name that have gone worldwide, um, I mean, people just shake their heads, as I do, and can't believe that, you know, this little introverted person who hates to speak <laughs> and be in public, you know, God has given me a platform because I will do that all day long. That's where my confidence is. It's yeah. like, I have so much to share about the goodness of God in the land of the living. And I, I just get really excited to do that. Are you looking for the perfect speaker for your next event or conference? Look no further than the new Love Times 2 Speakers Bureau, your go-to source for great pro-life speakers. We have a roster of renowned experts who can inspire, educate, and entertain your audience. Our speakers are ready to unleash their expertise and make your event a resounding success. Scheduling a pro-life speaker has never been easier. Visit lovetimes2.org speakers and schedule your speaker today. Well, here's another really big question as a follow-up. You stepped out in faith for that first abandoned baby to you know, be there for that baby. And now the, all these years later and all these children later, if you were to look forward on the horizons for he knows your name, seeing what lays behind, looking forward to what's ahead, what do you see on the horizon for this ministry? He knows your name. Yeah, that's a big, hard question. And it actually is the question I asked the Lord in January. Um, every year I ask God for a word and I, I just kept feeling like, you know, it's fifth, my 15th year. For some reason, that feels like noteworthy to my heart of saying, you know, do I keep doing what I'm doing? Or is there something else in this that God wants me to expand my view of? Does he want me to see something different that I haven't seen before? Something, be open to something different. And by January 10th, I had a baby to bury, a cuddle cot to dedicate at a hospital in Illinois, three speaking engagements in the books. And I, I was like, okay, I get it. I'm going to start this year and keep doing what I'm doing. But what's been interesting then is even like after first quarter of this year, I can say every single one of those areas has multiplied already. Mm -hmm. And 
I just, I feel like I'm, I'm still headed in the same direction, but it's wider and deeper. And I'm just feeling the pressure of the need in front of me. Um, There's a huge Haitian community. I didn't even know about here in Indianapolis and their struggle with infant loss is very unusual and cultural. And there's a hospital here in town that has had many babies month by month pass. And like in December, January, and February, they just kept calling me like, we have another loss. These moms are signing the release agreements. They can't touch that baby. Look at that baby. They are, they feel cursed by their community. And, and it's just this very conflicting situation. And, you know, will you take care of this baby? Will you take care of this baby? Like, and then they said to me, how many of these babies will you take care of? Like, what's your limit? (laughs) And I said, I have no limit. Every single baby that you call me about, I will take care of. And then I got a call, I got an Instagram message from a woman, a South African woman who lives in Ireland. And she said, I have the most difficult decision of my life to make. Will you help me? And we chatted a little bit back and forth. I kind of checked her out and I was like, she's the real deal. Like this is a broken hearted mom. Her baby had trisomy 18 she was really, really sick. And they were telling her to go abort this baby. I was like, well, I don't really want her to do that. I know moms who've carried to term babies have lived. I mean, as far as I know, in my experience, up to seven weeks afterwards. And I just tried it educating her. And I just said, please consider carrying. Well, then the next ultrasound said the baby's heart was failing. Mom was getting sicker. And it became kind of also a combined thing, maternal health issue. And so she just said, you know, will you please, you know, help me know what to do here? And she'd gotten three opinions, you know, from her different physicians. And I said, I just totally support you now, now that we know what we know. And I will walk you through this. Her husband, she said, well, my husband's in South Africa right now. I can't do this alone. And so through FaceTime, I talked to her so many times a day for a week and walked her through losing her baby. And the Lord just opened up my day for that. And I thought, that's that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep walking this out and trusting him with my calendar. When I need to you know, sit with the mom, I'm going to do it wherever she is. Here's a question for you. As we look at as you look at the Love Times 2 Speakers Bureau, as we look at God opening doors uh, in different types of ways for you to speak and to share your story and to speak for these kids, uh, what what are the types of events that, that you really enjoy speaking at that you feel like it's right down the middle of the plate of your ministry for uh, these type of events for mm-hmm. you to speak at? What, what, what comes to your heart when you think of those type of events that you think this story, your ministry, and everything you have to share is really well suited for? I love that question because it, it really um, is something I stumbled into understanding about my story and myself. And that is that when I wrote my book, I was so about the title, He Knows Your Name. And they, of course, that my editors were like, we need this subtitle. And I, I was like, so what about the subtitle? Like, let's talk about he knows your name. All I want to do is tell you these stories. And when we came up with the subtitle that says how one abandoned baby inspired me to say yes to God, the grace of God was that he didn't tell me at the time what a huge ministry would be birthed out of my book because of my subtitle. I love these stories and I share them all day long and they give me really the authority and credibility to talk about 
the uniqueness of the gospel and not only the babies, but all the solutions. And of course, one of the biggest solutions is my involvement with Safe Haven Baby Box and how one baby that was um, abandoned and left to die, her footprint is on the the logo of Safe Haven Baby Box. And so I share that story because adoption is the option. And I feel like I can stand at the grave and say, oh, what if this baby would would have been born and put in a box? So I love being able to talk about the problem and the solution. Every bit of education and awareness I can do and give to the safe haven law, I will do. So that's that's a really big part of it. Also being a champion for adoption. But also the another another branch of my ministry is really in bereavement at hospitals and educating nurses about the safe haven law because surprisingly enough, there's a lot that don't know about it. You know, also educating about the cuddle cot, which is a cooling device that is manufactured by a company in the UK. There was only one in the state of Indiana. And now like in seven years, we have like 50, we have more than any other state in the country. And so we also lead the way there. I have, you know, brought 49 cuddle cuts to hospitals all over the state of Indiana and plus in eight other states, just trying to really help with infant loss and the rate, you know, really eliminate the myths, help families grieve provide resources for them. So there's that whole element. We're talking to Linda Zanaco, leader of the ministry. He knows your name on the Love Times 2 podcast today. Uh, Linda, for folks that are listening, they want to know more about He Knows Your Name. They want to know how they can maybe support or volunteer, or they may want to know how to contact you if there's a child abandonment uh, in in their area, anywhere. Right, right. How can folks connect with you? And I might also say connect with you on on purchasing the book that you've mentioned several times. How can people connect with you and He Knows Your Name? Amazon um, is faithful to carry my book, which is great. Um, He Knows Your Name, How One Abandoned Baby Inspired Me to Say Yes to God. And that is a great resource. And I I don't say that just to sell the book, but I do get a lot of of, um, messages from people all over the world who want to do something like He Knows Your Name in their area or just learn more about how did you, how did you know to do this and what laws do you follow and all of that. And my book is a great resource for that, but it also is a great place to read my journey of faith and how I have walked with God and how God has equipped me and qualified me because I am not educated, certified, trained, or anything in any of the areas of the work I do, but I am 100% equipped and qualified through Jesus Christ. And he has given me a boldness and a heart for things that I didn't even know I had a heart beating for. The journey of my story, I think is really important for people to sit quietly, read my book, and then also just ask God a lot of questions about what has my name on it? What am I supposed to respond to? What do you have for me? Because our yes to God matters. And so my, another another huge place of a speaking opportunity I have is, is just how do I inspire people to say yes? How do I, through my story, want to just say to them with all the passion in me, you do not want to miss what God has for you because you're scared with what you see or what is your heart's beating for, or you think, I don't understand this at all. And I'm like, I didn't either, but jump into it anyway. And when God opens a door that no man can shut, we will experience the kingdom coming to earth. And I do all the time. The spiritual realm of what I do has a lot of persecution, but it also has 
the sweetness of God, because we know the greatest miracle was performed at the grave. Life comes from the grave. And I don't mean that to say like, oh, I see babies come to life at the grave. I'm saying the spiritual life, abundant life that God has for us in waking up people to life and walking in light, walking in justice and walking in our calling is really, really big. And I I hear that so many times. I've heard it from so many guests on the podcast. I've seen it in my life. It it really is true. The most dangerous prayer you can say is, God, here I am and use me. But when God puts that on your heart and he's got something for you to do, just jump out there in faith and do it. He's calling you into it. Just trust him. It's it's not an easy path. It's a scary path sometimes. And there are so many different things. Life is scary regardless of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So you can either stay safely in your little box and never get out of your comfort zone, or you can trust God to do some really, really amazing things. So Linda Zanaco from He Knows Your Name uh, is our guest here on the podcast today. She is a speaker on the Love Times Two Speakers Bureau. And I can say that she would do a wonderful job at uh, any event that you might be looking at doing. So I do encourage you to go to lovetimes2.org slash speakers, and you'll see Linda and the other speakers here for the Love Times 2 Speakers Bureau. And we really do want to make this an an easy, convenient way for you to find a pro-life speaker to come Mm -hmm. And, and be at your event, whatever it might be. If Linda's not the right person for the specific event that you have, or if there's not availability, then we have other speakers. Uh, honestly, if none of our speakers really are what you need, if there are other folks that are not on our speakers bureau that we know of, we'll send you in that direction because our goal is to connect you with the speaker that's going to be the best speaker for your event, for your purposes and everything that you're trying to accomplish in in pro-life ministry. So Linda, thank you again for being on the podcast today. It's been a real blessing to have you on. Thank you. I, I am really grateful. And I just last thing I want to say is I want to answer your question that I didn't answer. And that is that you can find more information out about He Knows Your Name at heknowsyourname.org. I am on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And just by my name or He Knows Your Name, you'll find me. Great. All right. There you go. Listeners, that, that's how you can find more about He Knows Your Name. Check out the Love Times 2 Speakers Bureau at lovetimes2.org slash speakers. Uh, that's it for this episode of the podcast. I do encourage you to subscribe to uh, this podcast on Apple Podcast or Spotify or whatever uh, pro- podcasting platform you prefer. That way you're never going to miss an episode. And we're going to be featuring all of our speakers here for the next few weeks. And uh, you're going to get a lot of good information from them. If you're planning an event for fall of 23. You're probably already behind the curve on your schedule. So now's the time to jump in and find a speaker. If you're planning something for the spring of 2024, it's not too early to locate your speaker for that event. And we've got some great speakers that I think uh, can really fill your needs for your upcoming event. So never forget, change the culture and the politics will follow. Thanks for listening to the official podcast of the Love Times 2 Project. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And never forget, change the culture and the politics will follow.